Well, hey, I was going to wait till everybody sat down to make you guys stand up again. So stand back up again. We're going to read a scripture here uh, all together as we get started. This is the scripture that we've camped out on for the last several weeks, and we're going to finish up on today. So read this with me. Um, it's uh, the first. You're like, where? Where is it? There it is. Uh, all right, so read it with me. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may be able to take hold of the life that is truly life. All right, now you can sit down. Thank you for entertaining that for me. Well, hey, we've been looking at this passage and really breaking it down over the last several weeks and really kind of in the middle of this year, like saying, man, this is something that uh, we need to lean into and really look at. And uh, we're going to focus on the last part uh, together today, but over the course of the series, we've really laid out some of Paul's challenges to us as a community. Um, Number one, to invite God into their finances, into uh, their lives, into their decisions, Number two, to entrust God and then witness how when we entrust God, God entrusts us. Number three, we've talked about how we want to inspire others by our commitment. And last week, I mean, Stephen gave an incredible message last week and a challenging and convicting, I think, for all of us message as we evaluated our level of commitment and said, are we inspiring others by our commitment? And today we're going to land the plane on this series and we're going to be talking about the outcome of that kind of living, the outcome of doing those things, which is laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven so that we can take hold of the life that is truly life. And we just prayed here a little bit before we came out here, and one of the things that I like that Rob prayed for us was that the cool thing about this inheritance that we have in Jesus is there's a lot of it that's stored up for us there, but we get to experience the overflow of that here and now. We get to experience and take hold of the life that is truly life, even here and now, as we trust in God. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before. Uh, I'm sure you have. Of course you have. Uh, One man's trash is another man's treasure. You heard that phrase. Uh, Well, I'll just have to admit that, uh, and I don't know if any of you guys are like this, but uh, I like to find something that somebody else has discarded and make it my own and, like, repurpose it and, uh, and do that kind of thing. And we I'm not, I'm not above diving into somebody's trash. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. In fact, when Jess and I were first married, uh, we did a little bit of that. And, you know, we're, we have some pride, so we wait till like, she'd be like, hey, I, I really like that. And she's like, go get it. And I'm like, me go get it? What do you mean go get it? And uh, I'm like, well, maybe once it gets dark, you know, like I'll go back and I'll see. No, like, I re- so, you know, my pride, I just set it down. All right, she wants it. Let's go get it. Let's grab it. And the truth is, a lot of the furniture that we still have, like, it's amazing what people will either sell at a garage sale or they'll just set on the curb because they're, uh, so one man's trash is another man's treasure. One of the best finds we ever had was, uh, was actually, we still do it, so uh, not too long ago, we found somebody that had thrown away one of these Power Wheel cars. And if you know anything about these Power Wheel cars, like, that should be everybody's treasure because those things are expensive. They're tough to get your hands on. And so I saw one of those out there, and I was like, I don't care if it was like Black Friday. I was racing my neighbors for it. Like I was going to go and grab that thing. So I hold that thing in the middle of the day. I have no shame anymore. You know, I'm bringing it over. And the guy was like in his yard working when I'm like taking the thing out of his. And I said, 
that is trash, right? He's like, yeah, that's, you know, we don't have kids that age anymore. So I grabbed the thing. I took it. And uh, no shame at all. I was like, does it work? He's like, I honestly don't know. Like, it might need a new battery or something. Sure enough, all we had to do was buy a battery. And our kids have just loved this thing. It's like this little John Deere tractor. And so one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I'm not scared to go digging in the trash to find some treasure. And um, as we think about what we're talking about today here with laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven, what's interesting and I think what's notable for us as Christians is that we have found a treasure that the world is often discarded and disregarded. The Bible talks about how uh, the, 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 uh, the cornerstone, that, that, the, uh, that the, the rock that the builders rejected, sorry, has become the cornerstone. That, that we have treasure, we have this prized treasure that's central to us that is really something that in a lot of ways and largely or even partially uh, in other ways uh, the world has discarded. And maybe many of us uh, in our lives from time to time are guilty of that, right? Are guilty of devaluing that or discarding that. But we in Jesus have not just found another treasure, we have found the truest treasure. And it's easy to let lesser treasures overtake our truest treasure. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all know that this tendency happens where the truest treasure can be lower in the list of priorities in our life. It's easy to let those lesser treasures overtake our truest treasure. And Jesus understood this tendency, and he tells us in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves Break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, and here's the key, your heart will be also. So there's this intricate connection between our treasure, the things that we treasure and the things that we value in our heart. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I was driving down the road the other day, and I happened to be next to this car. It was a very sweet car. It was awesome. I think it was, and I don't know cars. I just know it was an awesome car. And I was like, that is a sporty car. I couldn't beat that car in a race. And it, you know, it made loud noise, and it was like, you know, souped up and cool and slick. And then I looked at the license plate, and the license plate was, and you can do the math on this, UFN, okay, wish, UFN wish, right? And so it's like, okay, I get what you're saying here, you know, and I'm like, you know, my first thought, honestly, and this is just my human side, right? I was like, um, I bet that guy's fun to live with. Like, that's, that was like my first thought. I was like, you know, I don't know if I'd want to be friends with that guy. My second thought, though, was, and I don't know him. I'm just going to admit that, but I kind of felt sorry for him because I'm thinking, you know, not because he owned a nice car. And maybe you're like, well, you didn't feel sorry for me. You actually were a little jealous. But no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. My, my second thought was I felt sorry for him, not because of the car, but because it seemed like he treasured that car and maybe even something beyond that. He treasured the status that came with that car a little too much. And so I think that we can all be guilty of the same thing, right? We can be guilty of, and it might not be fancy cars or nice things. And again, nothing wrong with having those things. But when those things start to have you in the way that your treasure now occupies your heart on a level that's unhealthy, I think we need to check that and think about that. And you might be like, well, cars isn't my thing. Well, what is your thing? What are the things that if you really evaluated your life, you're like, that's the thing that I worry about a lot. I think about a lot. I obsess over it a lot. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your finances. If you just think about it in the larger sense, like as the pandemic's hit, you're like, that's the thing I've been obsessing about. 
is my finances. Maybe it's your comfort. And if you had any obsession with comfort before, you know it because this year has made you very, very uncomfortable. And so you know that, man, this is, my comfort has been ripped away in this year. And so if that has been the thing you valued the most, you surely know it at this point. And maybe it's your health and safety. And again, nothing wrong with health and safety, but talk about a year when health and safety has been like, it's really hard to grab onto and grip onto because it seems so elusive. And so has that become something that we've just placed as our truest treasure? Maybe it's your kids. And we hear people say from time to time, you know, my kids are my whole world, right? You hear this phrase. And I get the phrase. I love my kids to death, you know. I certainly, but when, our, when, when the kids kind of become central to our lives, not only is it unhealthy for our kids, but it's unhealthy for us. And so is that your obsession? And I think we could fill in the blank with a whole bunch of things here, but if you really evaluated your life, what's your truest treasure? And today, what I want to talk about is really the outcome of making Jesus your truest treasure. What do we inherit? What do we stand to gain when Jesus is our truest treasure? As we take hold of the life, which is truly life, that that Paul tells Timothy about, and as Paul commands uh, us to take hold of as well. So the first thing I think that we really capture and we grab hold of and we see is that when Jesus is our truest treasure, we inherit a fuller joy. We inherit a fuller joy walking with Christ. We inherit a fuller joy. My kids now, Aiden is, is, is on the bus now, and he's, he's, one of the things they do on the bus, like, I don't remember doing this on the bus. Like, we had things that we would, like, trade at school or whatever. I don't know if you guys had things you trade, like, baseball cards or pogs. Or, they do Pokemon now, which I don't get it, but, like, I'm like, all these things look the same. It's like, well, this has this powers and this. I'm like, awesome. You know, like, good. And I'm like, I'm just going to assume that that piece of paper that you traded for was worth, like, my watch or whatever you took, you know, to, like, get that. And uh, there's times where I'll be, I'm going to give it to him. Like, that dude could be a salesman. Like, he comes out on top, and I, I see him bring something home. I'm like, a Rolex. Like, sweet. Like, where, where did you get that? Like, and what kid did you, like, dupe out of that? Like, what poor sucker fell for that trade, you know? And I'm like, what did you get for that? Well, there's other times where he comes home with something, and I'm like, like, a stick of bubble gum? Dude, like, what? Your, your trading game is not on par today. Like, what did you have to give up, like, in exchange for that? And so there's this whole thing that in some days he wins, some days he loses. And I, I think that's probably true for all of us. But I worry that this is often how that we operate in the West is we pursue the things of lesser value, and we actually trade in the things of greater value. And you got to wonder um, why sometimes then we're left feeling empty. And it seems obvious, but when we chase or pursue the things of lesser value, in exchange, uh, in, uh, we, choose, we trade the things of greater value for the things of lesser value. Uh, it should be no mystery when we're left feeling empty so often. Um, one of the things I also find interesting is that when I've traveled uh, different places, and I can't, I can't stand up here and say when I've traveled around the world because I haven't been all that many places, but when I have done some travel and some mission trips here and there, um, one of the things you'll find, and maybe you've experienced this too if you've traveled, is that some place t- times in the places where you would think that the people are what we would call the poorest, there seems to be this joy that you can't wrap your head around. You're like, man, like these folks seem to have nothing, yet there's this joy. And I remember in particular a mission trip that I, I took to Jamaica. And when people think about Jamaica, they, um, they often think that, um, you know, it's like Sandals Resort or whatever. But we got to go into some areas um, that, and just be with some people that had nothing by what we would consider um, 
you know, in, in some, some port. And it was interesting because the resort would be here, and then literally right around the resort, there would be uh, areas where there's many people that, that didn't have as much. But I can tell you, and I would go into, and we would have church, uh, and, and it was just amazing, all these people gathered around, and just the joy that was exuded, the joy that just flowed from them. And it makes me wonder, it really has made me wonder, and I've gone, you know, many of you guys have gone to El Salvador, and you've experienced uh, some of these same things. And it made me wonder if maybe my definition of rich and poor was just out of whack. It made me wonder if which one of us was actually poorer. And I think that's true, and it's been true in, 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 in trips that we've gone all around. But I was privileged to worship alongside and really see a joy that I envied, and I wanted that. And it makes me think that it's similar to what Paul talked about and what Paul finally arrived at, which is this, this place where he truly was rich because he discovered something important. In Philippians 3, 7 through 11, here's what he says. He says, but whatever, gain, whatever gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul captures for us here a life that is truly rich. And the term that he wrote here and described, the, the word garbage or rubbish, is actually, it's a Greek word, um, skubaleon, and what it means is, it actually is referring to like excrement. So like do whatever, you know, translation of that you want. But what he's talking about here is, he's saying like he's trying to use the strongest word. He's not trying to be crude. He's just trying to use the strongest word possible to portray to the people uh, of Philippi what great value he, he places Christ in comparison to other things that he's considered gain before. And so what he's saying is, listen, former gains that I had, by the way, talk about a guy that had a lot of power and prestige in the religious system, it was Paul. He says, my religious resume, that's all excrement, that's all garbage, that's all in comparison to just knowing Christ and experiencing his, the resurrection that I have found in Christ. Former gains like power and influence, that's just garbage, that's just excrement. Former glories and accomplishments, it means nothing to me compared to knowing Christ. He's saying, I would flush all that over and over in exchange for what I have found in knowing Jesus. To Paul, Jesus wasn't just a means to the prize. He was the prize. Jesus was the prize. He wasn't just the route. He was the prize. And so I would encourage us to think about what if we really sought Jesus in that way, that rather than just a means to an end, what if Jesus was the one that we were striving for? He was the thing that we wanted. He was the thing of greatest value. And I think that when we reach this level of maturity, we will begin to experience what it means to truly be rich. There's an African-American hymn. It was written actually by slaves in America who, though everything had been stripped from them, they had no property or no possession to call their own. This song they wrote that became their, an anthem. And it just goes like this, and you've probably heard this song, Give me Jesus, 
give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but just give me Jesus. If I can have nothing else, just give me Jesus. You can take it all, but give me Jesus. And this is a joy that is found not in circumstance or in status, but in the person and presence of Jesus. And because of that, it's a joy that can never be taken. It cannot be stripped from us. So we get this inheritance in Jesus. We inherit a fuller joy. We also inherit a higher purpose in living for Christ. When Jesus is our truest treasure, we treasure what Jesus treasures. Simply put, we love others. I mean, Jesus' greatest treasure is his children, and so we have this opportunity to treasure what Jesus treasures. That becomes our purpose to love them and to, to in, in introduce them to the love that is found in Jesus. And if we're honest, we know the biggest obstacle to loving others is ourselves, is our own selfish desires. And living in a self-oriented culture, it's hard to get, not to get caught up into that. Loving others the way Jesus did is anything but natural. I mean, we really think about what he was telling us to do because it means laying down ourselves. If we're going to lay up treasure in heaven, we've got to lay down ourselves first. And that's a hard thing to do. That's an unnatural thing to do. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you will lose it. And denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily and follow him, this is the way and the route to love. And uh, I got to go on a, a cool trip recently with some guys. It was a really meaningful trip. And uh, for me, in a lot of ways, and I'll share some of those stories. Um, but one of the, the cool things, that we got to go, we hiked the canyon. And so we were going down into the Grand Canyon, which is definitely a Grand Canyon. Like, it is, it is big. And there's, like, can Grand Canyons inside the Grand Canyon. And I'll tell you more about it later, but I also realized that, like, I don't love heights a whole lot. And uh, that's a really big hole. And I'm like, we're in it. And I, uh, when we went on the trip, like, what I didn't anticipate is that I would have, like, uh, some insomnia kind of leading up to that trip and some sleep deprivation by the time I actually got to going hike. In fact, the night before, I didn't sleep at all. Several nights before that, I was, like, averaging, like, two hours of sleep. And so I have to do a very hard physical thing, which is hike 20-something miles, half of them uphill, and, uh, and try not to fall into the canyon and, uh, and the whole time, I'm just like, I'm actually not physically tired, but I'm like, like, I could fall asleep. I'm losing focus. And so we, on this last part of the hike, I, I confided to Kelby a little bit, who was also on the trip. And I was like, dude, like, like I, I feel like I could just pass out like, like that. Like, I could just fall over from exhaustion. I haven't slept. And so um, I, he was aware of this. And he, the whole time, like, he was like, you know, him and Paul and, uh, and TJ, who I was hiking with, they were, like, coaching me along because they all kind of were, like, just stay awake. Like, let's go. And I was doing great. It starts to get dark. And now I'm like, man, we still got a long way to go. And it's dark. And so Kelby, the whole time, like, I knew exactly what he was doing. I appreciated it. Is he was just talking to me. Like, the whole time. It's like, so, like, we're talking about everything. And I'm like, I, like, I didn't have any energy to talk. But I'm like, he, he was trying to keep me focused and alert. And, uh, you know, because we had to make it to the top. It's the only way out. And uh, so he's talking to me, he's talking to me. And uh, at one point in time, we talked about so many different things. He finally goes, well, what haven't we covered yet? You know, like just, uh, and so he's continued to talk to me. And then I noticed, like, at the t as we got higher into the, the canyon, I wasn't thinking about it because I was thinking about just trying to stay awake. But I could tell his breath was like, he was calculating his breath. Like, he would take in some air. The altitude was getting higher. And so he was like, he was breathing. He was like focusing his breathing. 
And what I realized, and it occurred to me more like once we got to the other side, is here he was using the thing that he needed the most, his breath, so that I could have what I needed the most, which is to be alert and attentive. And to me, that just struck me, because that's right there is like the very definition of sacrifice, right? That I'm going to give the thing that I need the most for somebody that needs something else, right? And so I love that, and I think that this is what we see in the way of Jesus. Jesus gave up everything so that we could have what we needed the most, is sacrifice. And it's that kind of sacrificial living that we get to take hold of in service to Jesus, that we can actually have a life that isn't just centered around us. And if you've lived that kind of life, and we're all guilty of living that kind of life, at the end of the day, you realize it starts to feel meaningless, right? If I just live for me day in and day out, but the beauty in what we have in Jesus is we have this, we have this purpose that transcends us. It's beyond us. It's not centered around us. In fact, if you start shifting your focus off of you and onto somebody else, even in the middle of a time like this, you start to realize that you're a little bit less paralyzed by everything that's going on and everything that's happening to you when you start to shift your attention and focus off of you. And you become a little bit richer. You become a little bit fuller. We will never be fulfilled until we lay down ourselves. And so I have a question, and this is a question I've assessed and maybe a question that you can think about later, but when is the last time you've given in a way that it cost you something? When is the last time that you've given in a way that it actually cost you something? Paul quotes Jesus in Acts 20, 35 when he says, it is more blessed to give than receive. The more we give, the richer we will be. It's something that fifth grader uh, Orion Jean is learning. I think I have a picture of him here. Um, he, his uh, young man here, his, just had this heart for people and compassion, and he decided that in the middle of this pandemic that he wasn't going to sit around and, you know, even though he might have some time off school or whatever, he was going to use that time and that energy to do something for someone else. He set out with a goal to provide 100,000 meals to those in his area in Texas and Oklahoma. And he's working on that goal. He's continued to strive for it day in and day out. And he's calling others up to help him. And he's providing kids from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Dallas, Texas, a packed lunch with a bright message on the, the bag, like they're writing messages on there, like, you got this, you can do this. And I was just really inspired by it, especially man, what we could learn from a fifth grader. And here's what he has to say. He says, I'm asking everyone to join me in a race to kindness. This has been a, such a rough year for everybody, and now it's more important than ever to show support and love to anyone who needs it. And I love how he summarizes it all. He says, the best part, everyone wins. Everyone wins. And I would say that's true. And if you have, have made that decision to give to the point where it costs you, you find that you actually don't lose at all. In fact, you win, and everyone wins. When we give, everyone is made richer, especially the one who gives. There's none richer than the one who is rich in love. And in Jesus, we have found this richness. We have inherited a fuller joy walking with Christ. We have inherited a higher purpose living for Christ. And we have inherited a greater glory as we continue to hope in Christ. It says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus 
so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And I love this visual, our bodies like jars of clay. Though carefully crafted in an artisan kind of a way, we have an artisan God, we know that we're carefully crafted by an intentional God, yet our lives are fragile. Our lives, these vessels are temporary. But what is contained within is a greater glory, an unfading hope in the promise of Jesus. And we had, and I know many of you guys have They've had different tragedies this year and different challenges. And, and uh, you know, every day these, these COVID numbers, like, come out. And I honestly, I don't listen to a lot of the radio and stuff anymore and, like, you know, the news. Um, but as the numbers were reported most recently, it struck me differently because one of those numbers was somebody that I knew and somebody that our family cared about. And uh, my grandmother's sister, sister uh, Judy Pilgrim, um, her husband went into the hospital and uh, had to do a heart procedure and came out and had COVID, passed it on to her, and, um, and she had a lot of, like, uh, breathing issues and things that she dealt with. And she passed away a few weeks ago from complications due to COVID. And I know that sounds like a tragic story, and it is, and it's hard for our family. Um, but one of the things that we take hope in is that while COVID may have stolen her breath, it never took away her life, and it didn't take away her hope. Uh, in fact, it was her decision. She, she had come to this decision where she said, you know what, like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, because I know, she knew what awaited her. And she told the nurses she was ready uh, because though her earthly vessel was failing, she had an eternal hope in what laid ahead. She understood that death is swallowed up in victory like we sung about. And she had a treasure within a jar of clay. She had an inheritance that could not be taken it's the inheritance that Paul proclaims to the church in Rome when he writes, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And Paul says, and I am convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And as I listened uh, in on the, the funeral this, this past week um, of my grandmother's sister, Judy, um, it was cool to get to hear her legacy, her life. And there was a line that struck me in the middle of it that was shared in the middle of that service. And, and it was this. It was that Judy knew that this life offers nothing compared to the one to come. That this life offers nothing compared to the life to come. And that has been ringing in my ears. And that is the source of our hope, friends. And there is no one richer, we are never richer, than when we believe in that promise, when we make that our hope, that this life offers nothing compared to the one to come and nothing can take away 
the inheritance that God has for us in the person of Jesus. And so may we continue to live with that reality in mind. And we will surely take hold of the life that is truly life, both now and forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that though this year has brought some dark moments for many of us, it's challenged us, it's made us uncomfortable. We honestly, in so many ways, just want to be done with it. We want to be done with talking about it. We want to be turn a corner into something new, God. But in light of all of that, you're still there. You're still with us. You still love us deeply, and nothing can separate us from your love, nothing. And what a treasure that is. It's the greatest treasure that any of us could ever find. And we give thanks, and we pray in Jesus' name.